You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado, and with me is... Your brother, Justin Edwards, from Los Angeles, California. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. So here with episode 62, uh, Matt is busy at Gamescom. He's cosplaying it up and people watching and um, following his tweets as he's making fun of uh, ridiculous things that are happening there. Uh, sounds kind of like what we experienced at Comic-Con a little bit, uh, though it's way more gaming focused. Yeah, it's similar to this convention I went to a couple of weeks ago in Indiana, which is Gen Con, but it's not video as much as it, as it is board games. So I'm sure you're having a good time. Yeah, so I got my brother onto the show so we could keep the show going. And uh, we do have a few stories to kind of rant about. Um, and then uh wanted to take some time to see what your music life is like these days. Um, and Yeah, I'll give you the inside <laughs> scoop. Um, but starting off, uh, did you get to see this sheet music article I, I put in here? Um, I did. I gave it a read. And I actually had seen that. Um, I felt like I saw it somewhere. Maybe it was in... A couple of weeks ago, I was in New York and I saw a musical, and it might have even been there, um, but just some kind of like, hey, follow the music of this with the kind of yeah. graphical look that, that it gives you. So just to explain for the listeners, so the Toronto Symphony Orchestra and probably some other orchestras are trying to tackle how hard it is to kind of get what's going on with Beethoven or Bach or whoever. And so they're instead of just the normal, like, programs that like kind of describe the songs or you know talk about the history of a tune um they actually created a like graphical infographic format for how the songs flow so it'll be like oh this part's where they introduce the melody and it's only on piano but then later the orchestra responds and they're they have their part and it kind of like gives you like a cliff's notes of what's happening in the song and my gut reaction was to be like hate this immediately like (laughs) but then I started looking at it. And I was like, "Oh, that would have been really helpful for for certain listening experiences." And I probably would really like something like this. Um, and there's no one saying you have to look at it during the orchestra. You could just look at it later and be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I think there's a certain level of um, it gives you almost just like here's the feel of what's going on, you know, with just kind of the intuitive like high to low kind of look to things. But I like the one that has like the list of the instruments that are doing those parts as well. And I think that would really open up my experience to be like, I can now listen for that doing that melody. Yeah. Um, and it just seems to enrich the experience a little more probably. Well, and I just as a thought experiment wondered if like, would this ruin movies or other like things? Like if a movie just paused itself and said, he's the bad guy. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, movies already do this anyway and they're failing if they don't. <laughs> make it obvious who the bad guy is and so i yeah, exactly. kind of turned myself around on that i mean yeah if it actually paused and said remember this was the guy's <laughs> brother earlier <laughs> yeah uh i mean you find the subtle ways to do that to reinforce it so they don't understand what's going on um and there may be a, a strange version of that for music eventually just kind of to see where this this goes but um yeah it also brought up another kind of Difference that I noticed too since my wife Juliet is from France and in our kind of like 
musical endeavors, we've I, I immediately found out that we call chords and notes in America like by that the letter, and in France they call it by the do re mi scale. And so you know oh. you play that in the, in the key of whatever the do is, um, rather when we would just say C, and they relate the music telling to the relativity to each other's notes rather than what key it's in, whereas we kind of start with a key and kind of go the other way. Huh. So this just kind of gave me another kind of the paper version of like, yeah, key schmies, here's what's <laughs> actually the feel and look of what's going on for those who, who might not get it. And they give you the big picture too, like, oh, they present something, then they develop it in all these different ways, and then they return to the beginning and do these things over again, and it's like, oh... Mm-hmm. I liked in uh, at least in this it's symphony it's Mozart yeah at the end they say surprise episode F minor and like <laughs> it's got this big like splash kind of logo to it uh, I was like guess what we're not going to do the same thing this is a surprise part of the song <laughs> uh, but that, to me I like that it it kind of communicates and I've always referred to music this way anyways but music telling a story and you know this kind of really graphically makes that obvious to you that like, oh, we're coming back around and rehashing and revisiting and redoing imagination of a different version of different parts. So I like it. I think it'd be cool to do that with songs I enjoy. When I, I Marty's starting to dream of, I just like crapped on the idea of a movie version of this, but now I'm like, man, if someone could take like a Tarkovsky movie and like kind of analyze it in this kind of way... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of weird stuff that people are coming out with movies. Like, um, there's one that kind of analyzes color of movies, and it just kind of takes every frame of the film and looks at, like, what's the dominant color of those scenes. And you can, like, color chart the movie and, like, what are you supposed to feel in each scene? And, you know, you start to get the sense of, like, director's styles, especially, I think, a lot of the Fincher ones. Like, he's so, like, muted browns and greens and blues. He doesn't do anything really bright and colorful, <laughs> and but it's just fun to look at the story of the color, literally. Yeah, and I even remember a scene breakdown from Seven, so Seven in. Um, <laughs> of, yeah, get it right. Like one of the early scenes where Brad Pitt's all gung ho, but like the the height of the camera varied depending on like the perspective to really like sell. Like he had no power, even though he was being loud and yelling, uh, he had no mm-hmm. power in the scene, and they were just like, "Can you leave?" <laughs> And so Seven N is actually the famous movie where I've always been told that I stole the movie, um, our movie title from because Kevin Spacey, when he turns himself in, says, Detective, Detective, Detective. <laughs> uh, anyways, side note. But yeah, I think this would be fun. I, I would totally go for this and I'd like the handout to follow along. I, you know, I'd like to think I am an avid reader of music in the broad sense, like I can look at it and guess what's going on. I've been in a lot of choirs and, you know, uh, every year I like to try to find a church to go sing the hallelujah chorus with a bunch of people. And I like reading the music there. And this is just kind of a cool graphical, like you said, infographic version, yeah. uh, which might just help people like, yeah, just match everybody's key. And then you can follow along much easier with this and guessing. <laughs> What does the big circle mean? And then the dot with the flags, like people who are lost, this takes care of it for you. Yeah, and I mean, just to be clear, if you didn't look at the article, which you can find in our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 62, um, this isn't like sheet music. Like, no one's can play these these symphonies based on this. It's more just a map. It's, it looks like almost like the old like Nintendo Power like level maps. 
<laughs> yeah, I could see that too. And it's also like if you've done any kind of MIDI recording, that's what your you know your notation yeah. view looks like, where it's just like long line, short line, short line, medium line, and that's just on different you know top to bottom for higher or lower notes. And then color coded, and then yeah, really cool organization. Like you can tell they worked on it a bit before getting this popular. They had a graphic designer. Um, speaking <laughs> of visuals, tell me about this visual album article. Um, yeah, so just in the last, I think it was yesterday that Frank Ocean put out his new album with a visual experience <laughs> where basically, you know, he said, here's my new album, except you got to watch this experimental film I made that goes along with it. Um, and this is even on the heels of, I think like four or five months ago, Beyonce did this lemonade special for yeah. HBO. And that was, you know, it was her new music set to this film she had made. Um, and it's just the article wanted to, you know, a little sensational, obviously the clickbaity annoyances. Um, but it was like, Hey, our music artists getting to make these visual albums are going to like change the face of cinema as a result. I'm like, no, it won't. It's just another cool thing. You know, like in essence, it's just a music video for the entire length of the album. Um, but I, I do really like the idea. I like the, um, for Frank Ocean, he got Werner Herzog and, you know, was able to go to town and do whatever he wanted really. And um, this is stuff that, you know, people have been doing this for a long time. You can even go back and say, you know, silent films were this already. It's just adding <laughs> visuals to your music. Um, but I think there's a, a certain kind of new style to it that definitely kind of hip-hop R&B world is, is embracing. And I can see it spreading from here on out, too. Um, I think Daft Punk did one like this. Um, Animal Collective did one a dozen or so years ago. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a, it's a, no, a new medium for people to engage your music on. And yeah, I just didn't buy that it was going to change cinema somehow. Well, it seems like, like the biggest, I mean, I know we're not a movie podcast here with bits and pieces, but um, the biggest threat to cinema is television and Netflix, you know, eating the lunch and taking all the good stories and telling them better. Um, but and, you know, superhero movies aren't going anywhere, as, as you said here. Kids' animated movies are not going anywhere. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not in danger of anything. Um, those are like those are the theaters in danger. Yeah, sure, but I don't think music videos or long music videos basically are going to threaten the box office of these things. Or just um, like narrative storytelling still going to exist alongside experimental <laughs> yeah, film it, it's allowed it doesn't eat into like the market or the audience in fact the audience can have both um so do you think you yeah, would I ever make that, one of these visual albums yeah i would love to i i wanted to ask you that um i want to do i want to direct your visual album for your new <laughs> music when it comes out if you let me do anything i want <laughs> yeah. um needs to be some animation since we're figuring that out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd like to do live action mixed with animation. How about Roger Rabbit? <laughs> but uh no, I think it's it's an exciting fun thing. I'm I'd be curious to see more artists that, you know, personal taste that I would listen to that I would actually sit through their entire album and watch a movie of it. Um I'm not going to watch Frank Ocean's. I didn't watch Beyonce. <laughs> I saw a lot of it cuz Shelby was very interested. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Anywhere to give uh, more visual artists jobs and you know exposure, and that's fine. 
And it was an Esquire article, by the way. And shame on Esquire. I, I don't like <laughs> it's, referencing it's them. It's really the clickbait title. That's the worst yeah. part of it. The visual album yeah. is changing more than music videos. It's changing cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit much. But yeah, it's fun. Let's do one. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Um, so the the big long topic I wanted to get into today was just to force you to talk about your life with music, um, however you, however you <laughs> want to interpret that. I mean, I mean, I'm your brother. I know you, but the audience doesn't necessarily know you that well. And uh, I you've played music, even though it's not as prominent as it maybe was in high school. Um, you listen to lots of music. Uh, how did you get into playing music? Like, what made you want to pick up a guitar or hit the drums? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we were a, a family that listened to a lot of music. Our, our dad definitely had all those albums and got into CDs, like first in the neighborhood kind of thing. Um, so definitely grew up very musically influenced. And I don't know exactly what made me want to make music per se. I just wanted to play guitar and make cool sounds like, um, Dinosaur Jr. did. I, you know, I remember hearing Start Chopping back on i forget the channel it was this the bgsu radio station had a tv channel (laughs) and you would just watch the channel with advertisements and then you could call in and make requests um but yeah we would watch that (laughs) it's so weird to watch an advertising (laughs) just to listen to the radio um but i know matt would turn us on to that um our older brother and start chopping came on and i and i just kind of like stopped in my tracks i just remember just like what is this and you know like i mean i had heard guitar solo kind of harder rock stuff before but there was something that jay mascus was doing that was you know his own brand and his own you know melodic version of like let's really rock out with these great guitar solos when i like Um, is there a contrast like what stopped like pearl jam from being your thing or you know crash test dummies or whoever else yeah it was definitely around the same time not (laughs) or stone temple Um, pilots or whatever but yeah yeah i mean nirvana definitely i would say nirvana pearl jam got me listening to music but i never thought about making it for some reason something about the difference of dinosaur jr made me want to make that um i maybe i just didn't quite jive with the vibe of well those are two great words um (laughs) Nirvana and Pearl Jam because they were grunge and they made you think about like depression and murder <laughs> and drugs. Um, and then, you know, Jay Mascus and Dinosaur Jr. doesn't make necessarily dark rock music. They just kind of play really loud, like he calls it, really hard country music. <laughs> yeah, I really um, don't know what he's singing about. It's probably like you shouldn't even try to think beyond the surface level of what he's saying. No, his his, his <laughs> lyrics are all just about like, oh, I didn't see you, but then come on. stuff happened. Hey, come on, whatever that <laughs> Let's one Let's <is>. go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd never been much for lyricist, but I mean, I just, I'm blown away. Again, he calls it ear bleeding. Yeah, you would listen to his guitar solos. And I remember when I saw him live for the first time, I could have had my ears bleeding because um, his shows are like notoriously loud. And just the way he, he uh, his guitar solo just grabbed me. And I said, that's that. That's it. I want to do it. Let me get in the guitar. <laughs> and I remember I took, um, I dropped out of choir to join. Uh, what was the name of the class in junior high? 
um, oh, I don't it, know something, some music appreciation course where you would listen to music and talk about it, and then there was a few weeks where you'd actually just play guitar. So that was my first exposure to actually playing the guitar and trying to learn it. You know, and everybody teaches you that same scale. Yeah, and then uh, I discovered tabs, and <laughs> you know, I went, I went to our dad and said, "Hey, I want to get a guitar," and he bought me this blue. Gosh, what was the company? Wasn't there remember? a black one first, or was that? Oh yeah, gosh, that was second. <laughs> that was yeah, a black one we bought from a neighbor, like at a garage sale. Was it I Mr. Think. Ripley? <laughs> Somebody like that. Yeah, it might it might have been just like fifty bucks. Like it, you could plug it into something, and sounds would come out. It was terrible. Yeah, um, I remember <laughs> I smashed it eventually. Well, we used it Evil Dead in the basement, didn't we? Like, somehow. I think the blue one is in there. No, the first Evil Dead maybe, and then the second <laughs> Evil Dead in the basement was the blue one. Um, That's a little yeah, VHS so movie of, me and Justin made, just so people <laughs> yeah. know. By the way, yeah, Mike and I remade Evil Dead movies and set them in our basement um, <laughs> and smashed guitars, apparently. Ugh. But yeah, that started playing then, and I mean, it was pretty quick. It was a lot of just like self-taught, you know, discovered... Um, guitar player magazine and learned about what tablature was and I was like, oh, okay, this is how you do it. You know, I, internet came out around then. You know, in quotes. <laughs> um, I discovered news groups so you could go to like alt dot whatever yeah, guitar dot whatever. connections or whatever. Yeah, and I would download tabs for everything I was into. You know, it was a lot of Dinosaur Jr., Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and just kind of like learning to play those songs. And, uh, you know, with, without a doubt, you know, who plays guitar and doesn't want to start a band. Yeah. And I think our first, first time I ever actually played in public might have been at this uh, talent show at the church where you played drums. <laughs> Is it when we did the Starflyer thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's the queen. She was, yeah, she was my sweetheart. It was like this kind of 50s ballad, which was like a guitar solo for most of the songs. So. I remember because uh, I was not very good at drums yet, and uh, I had memorized the exact number of like measures, like do seven of these, and then do this other part, <laughs> yeah. and then do fifteen of these, and then like I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, don't go by the feel of just knowing music. I actually, count. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't like follow the cue. Like, oh, when he sings this, we're about to go to this other part or anything. It was just like I'm counting the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so how soon after I got guitar did you get drums then? So you would have been like nine or ten? <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like fourth grade for sure, maybe earlier, but I don't know. I think, was it after I was done homeschooling? I feel like I was in back in, yeah, I was homeschooled for a year, don't judge me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, my first taste of a show was a talent show with this uh, she was my sweetheart. That was the song. Yeah. We can provide a link to it in the show notes. Um, and then from then, the people we played that show with, um, Joel Larson sang and Sam Wyndham played guitar as well. And then we kicked you out of the band. <laughs> I, I wasn't a real drummer yet. <laughs> we, we got one of their friends to play drums for us. We just, it was just kind of like, hey, that was fun. Why don't we start writing music together? And so we spent that whole summer writing songs, and um, our first show was, um, I think I put down here, June of 94. <laughs> there was like some Saturday, no, Sunday evenings at this bar called Gargoyles. It doesn't in exist Bowling anymore. Green, Ohio. What, what yeah, in its Bowling place? Green, was it like... 
Frankie's? What's the fish? Oh, uh, Wally's Fishbowl. Oh uh, yeah. So that I don't know if that's still there, but it was became that. It's right next to that gas station across the from, Circle K. Yeah. There's no Cosmos either. What's there now? Uh, um, who cares? Good old Bowling Green. <laughs> yeah. So that was our first show, and it was like some Sunday afternoon. I we knew the promoter somehow. Somebody went to high school with them. And he was putting on just like Sunday evenings from like 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. He had run of the club and so he would book bands. <laughs> and we played like four songs and then we were like, that's it, we're going to do this. Recorded a demo, got our four track recorder, like all that stuff um, happens really fast that summer. And, you know, I was, I was hooked as far as I could tell, you know, I you're like to play ninth music. grade or going into ninth grade at this point. Yeah. Going into high school. So between eighth grade and ninth grade, I suddenly became like a punk, um, listening to a lot more of that kind <laughs> Dye of stuff. Dye your hair. This, yeah. This is hand in hand with, um, tooth and nail records rising to like, you know, take over the Christian rock music industry. So I listened to a lot of that stuff, a lot of influence going to a lot of concerts, <laughs> luxury, um, MXPX. Yeah, all this stuff's coming out. Yep, MXPX. Um, and that was, you know, I'd say the next five or six years of my life was playing in bands and doing shows a lot, you know, in a number of bands. Um, and then it just kind of died off once I got out of college and stopped playing live. Yeah. Always play guitar, you know, and I still do play guitar. I have my, just have my classical in my living room now and I'm always strumming it coming up with stuff and cool parts music as i call it <laughs> explain that but what is cool parts music <laughs> cool parts music um it's just when you're listening to a song and you have a favorite part you know that's to you that's a cool part and you're like you listen to a song because they get to that part and you're like i can't wait for that part so that's the cool part and i wanted to write music that where the whole song was cool parts <laughs> and it was like hey that's a cool part for the verse and even the chorus and they're like they all have cool parts um <laughs> Uh, I don't know, and <laughs> but that's that's my live music career. Uh, I've when I, I ten years ago or so I moved to L.A. and I played a few open mic night type things, but I've never been in a band again, and I've never gotten. I, yeah, I've always recorded, but that's just my live music career kind of died after college. It's sad. I'd still play <laughs> if I could. Uh, I do want to point out I'm, in the show notes, we're going to have a link to Justin's Bandcamp, which actually has some of these really old bands on it, um, including the Silver Tones, which was that first 94 band, um, their original demo. So you can check it out and hear what their 90s sound was like. Yeah, I was so proud to actually get justinedwards.bandcamp.com. Yeah. There's no other Justin Edwards who jumped on that. Well, there's just that uh, fewer number of Justin Edwards than Michael Edwards, but I did get Michael Edwards.bandcamp, so. Oh, even better. Good. It's a land rush whenever there's a new <laughs> service. <laughs> yeah, go get it. Um, you also uh, had this project a long time ago now um, called 100 Songs. And w what yeah. was that, and how did that go? <laughs> Gosh, so I'm trying to place it in my pantheon of albums. Um, I think my favorite album I've ever done myself, you know, after not playing live anymore, I became a studio musician and <laughs> <laughs> recorded. I just I needed an outlet for my songs and I wanted to share them. So, you know, you and I built up our home music studio so we could always record our own demos and put them out there. Um, MySpace was a big thing too. So <laughs> it was like, it was cool to get to put stuff up and share it. 
my favorite album I've done is called Love Project, which is on that Bandcamp page too, I think. Um, and that was just kind of a culmination of, I don't know, just kind of leftover noodling on guitars um, for a couple of years without being in a band and kind of putting it all together and saying, hey, I want to do a, an album of love songs. And that was directly inspired by Magnetic Field's 69 love song box set. Um, I was like, hey, if they can do 69 love songs, I want to just do a love song album. And so that came out. And then I did a couple, like a year later, I did another album called Greed. <laughs> um, and it was just a bunch of, I don't know, other, again, just other random stuff, writing in the studio a lot and wanting to, um, much to your chagrin, add a bunch of effects and distortion to an acoustic <laughs> guitar. You did that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, once I got a sound I liked, I wanted to stay. Well, I also remember, like, oh, no, like you'd it. record drums, but not a drum set. You would just use the snare and, like, a hi hat and the floor tom and just piece it together. Yeah, I'd re- I'd sample them basically, and then just create drums beats <laughs> out of it. Um, it. But not actually sampling. Like, I didn't program anything. I actually just had the wave, and I would line it up, and then yeah. copy and paste the snare over and over. Um, yeah, it was pretty lazy. But you drum for Love Project, so the drums on Love Project are still good. They're full kit, um, and I mean, I, I like some of the hundred songs weird sample drum things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to get to that, um, yeah, so After Greed would have been hundred songs, and you know, it's probably still influenced by the fact that Magnetic Fields can put out sixty nine song box set. Um, I was just a self challenge of like, I want to get much better at songwriting. And for me, when I want to write a song, um, priority for me is always the story I want to tell. And that does come into the lyrics. Like, I literally want to tell a story with the lyrics and have the music kind of back that up thematically um, with the chief end of, like, I want somebody to hear a song I did and feel a certain way. And, like, that was just, like, a lot of practice. So basically, 100 songs was like, let's do 100 songs where we try to make somebody feel something when they hear them yeah. and do it in a year. And so the year was just this deadline to say, like, you know, try to stay on track. And so that's, you know, roughly that's two songs a week. Um, <laughs> and I, did, I was doing pretty good, you know, for the first four or five months, and then I just dropped off. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I want to point lazy. out some of the topic, because your, your topics varied widely, like uh, airport <laughs> sleep, uh, baseball, <laughs> eating alone, uh, hat over eyes, which is maybe my favorite from the collection, the Indiana Jones song, uh, mustache pool, or oh crap, Jesus is back. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I remember um, I, there was some trip I was going on where I knew that I was going into the new year of doing 100 songs. And I was like, well, if I need uh, doing 100 songs, I need to come up with 100 ideas. And I just have this notebook where I just stream of consciousness wrote anything that came into my head. Um, and so there's probably like two or 300 just like words or topics. And then I would always keep going back to that journal and say like, let's write a song about a mustache pool. Uh, it's just super random. And mustache pool in the sense that, you know, guys all grow a mustache and the last one to keep their mustache gets the money. Um, <laughs> I'm $50 richer than I was the day before last. Uh, and that, I saw there was a 100 songs album on your band camp, but it didn't have all these demos. No, I... <laughs> There's only one song on it. <laughs> one, it's lying to us. What's the one us. song? Um, 
It's Beach Party. Yeah. <laughs> Beach Party is one of my favorite successes. Um, it's just, you know, shamelessly, I wanted to do like a surf song. Let's go surf in Beach Boys influence. And, um, I always want to share that occasionally, randomly here and there. And so I'm like, I'm tired of trying to find it on my Google Drive. <laughs> I'll just put it on my Bandcamp. So and it's then, your own personal storage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I could throw other things up there and I, I will for this. So if you look there now, maybe there's, there's a few more songs in there. Um, I just need an excuse and I had to make album art. So I just threw it up there. <laughs> but yeah, a hundred songs in a year. It was great. I landed around 40 something in the end. And these aren't like finished things. They're all just like skeleton versions. You know, I'd, I'd get a, f- I recorded those drums and kind of used them throughout the entire 40 songs. <laughs> Consistent feel. Um, <laughs> My my bass lines I would write on the guitar and just put a sub bass effect on them <laughs> so it became a temporary bass. Um, and then the guitars, you know, I like lay down the chords and the melodies and the lyrics as much as I could. A lot of those songs just end up having like yeah noise. Well, I mean, noise there's vocals. like ones like baseball that are pretty much finished songs, and then there's some that kind of drift off into like yeah, I'm going to add some other cool parts music to the end of this. Yeah, once I get back to this, um, probably the most epic series that I enjoyed doing was the Vampire series, <laughs> um, and I have. Three of them pretty well recorded, and then two more. Vampire Pirates, so right? <laughs> yeah, Vampire. Um, and I was thought I was so clever, and I came up with that. Um, and then, as you do when you go look it up, it's like, oh, somebody already has a young adult book series called Vampire. <laughs> of course, it'd be like a you know Animorphs or something that would have been like Vampires. <laughs> so everybody was thought I was adapting the book series into a musical. Um, but there, it was basically that. That was the story. Was you know, I was laying. I wanted a ten-song concept album approach of the story of a, a pirate who turns into a vampire and gets caught up in the war between vampires and pirates um, because the princess of the vampires bites him. Eh, whatever. Um, go listen to the songs. I'll put them up there on the band game too. Um, but I really enjoy the first two to three and we even played these a couple of times yeah, like, um, back when pseudobook played a couple like of shows five ish era yeah yeah those were like the last like band concerts i ever played kevin cray was part of that yeah <laughs> um so i really enjoyed those i would always like have earmarked them to like revisit sometime and i enjoy playing them they really translate well to kind of just acoustic and singing so they're a lot of fun just to play for fun um, I've done a couple of those at open mic night type things. Um, and then after then, you think I would kind of disappeared from playing music at all. Uh, I moved to LA, I went to Africa. Um, and I found time in Africa actually to play guitar the whole year and ended up writing a bunch of more songs. And that ended up becoming the last album called Duality. Um, and that's also on Bandcamp as well. And that's just, again, there's a lot of kind of like, ideas for songs there it's not like a finished polished thing but i still just put it out because i like to share them um yeah we also collaborated on the the come back to me uh film soundtrack yeah i haven't not been playing music or writing music but as far as like the artist justin edwards um you're not going to find anything from me since oh nine so that's seven years ago a long time sigh yeah but yeah, like you said, we collaborate on music soundtracks more often now. 
Um, we won a, an award for our short film, Come Back to Me, which is, you know, bravo us. <laughs> I'll have and, to get a link to that in the notes too. Is it is yep. it publicly watchable somewhere? Yep, it's on Vimeo, so get up there. There's no website for it anymore. I used to have one, but nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then, yeah, you you and Benji did uh, the, the soundtrack for Detective, and Juliet and I did um, one song on there. <laughs> for for and, Paul's back room. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the other thing I've been doing. You know, I, The artist Justin Edwards hasn't put anything out, but Justin and Juliet have. Um, every year, it seems like Juliet and I are recording a Christmas song or two or three, and we're sharing those. And I think those are on the Bandcamp as well. Yeah. Um, and we're always added to that. I have already talked to Juliet about what songs she wants to do this year because we just kind of have fun putting those together. So yeah, Christmas albums. What else do I need? I need a Greatest Hits album. I'll put something out like that sometime. <laughs> uh, did you have something on the Little Synth Boy EP that Benji put out? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't a synth song. I think it was, uh, might have been Three Ships. Uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Oh, okay. No, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was Juliet singing. So I'll get a a link to that in there too. So it's like you, you haven't been Justin, you you haven't been using your real name stage name, but you've, you still been making music. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, occasionally, and I like I said, I am writing stuff. I have probably three or four songs that I could probably go and demo right now and lay down and kind of develop um, into an EP of some kind. It's just been slow going, you know. Um, if that's any of your interest in Justin when it comes to music, um, that about would sum it up. I don't listen to music anymore either, so I'm not influenced by much music. <laughs> Um, I, have, I haven't not even with actively, our little Spotify group or is it I'm trying to use that um, my brothers and I started well Mike and Matt are putting together a brothers playlist I put a couple songs in there <laughs> just the but M-I-L-F just trying, L-F I, song <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my submission Fergie and I'm trying to want to actively enjoy music again like I used to but I just haven't I've been more focused on movies and I devour movies and TV tenfold yeah. to uh, what I used to listen to music and uh, I don't seek out a new album from an artist I love to death even like I have to have somebody tell me something came not out not even on commutes like are you all podcasts on commutes I'm all podcasting yeah huh. They they robbed my listening time. I, I go back. And I didn't forth. know Dinosaur Junior. Dinosaur Junior had a new album out last week, and I only knew because somebody wrote something about it on Facebook. I'm like, oh wow, okay, that happened. <laughs> I always find out every time I look. There's a new They Might Be Giants. They album. are so prolific. It's <laughs> like Jesus, intimidating. I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'll listen to stuff if people share it with me. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out, but I won't add it to a playlist and listen to it again later. It's just, I don't know. It's not part of my routine. You got to start a podcast like this because that's my secret is I have to pick a song every other week. <laughs> it used to be every week till we slowed down the release, but um, it that forces me to just go listening. And, I, and I've got huge playlists of new music I love because of it. It's just like I needed that external like force to be like, go check out music. And I guess when you're in school, yeah, all your friends are like, "Dude, listen to this," and that's a, there's a constant influx. But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest factor. Is I don't have friends that listen to music or care about music, and without that, I'm adrift at sea. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, last year I did check out. There's this band I really like now called Bahamas, and um, there's also a kind of 
synthy lo-fi you know twin peaks band from england called the japanese house like those are two that i discovered on my own literally through the spotify discover and i was like whoa two two bands i'm gonna actually listen to here yeah um but that's the latest i I, this year i haven't listened to anybody we'll throw some of those in the brothers playlist please (laughs) (laughs) um well maybe we should get to you know speaking of like listening and picking music out we should get to our pick of the week hey segway man how you doing (laughs) doing great um (laughs) do you want to go first Sure, I'll go first. Um, this sent me on a journey. Like you said, it's a nice little homework assignment is go find a song to share. Um, and I went and grabbed an old favorite of The Rentals. And for those that don't know, uh, The Rentals is Matt Sharp, who used to be the bass player for Weezer for their t- first two albums, or their only two albums. <laughs> um, and, then, and the first Matrix. Um, yeah, so the uh, the story of that is he, once the second Weezer album kind of flopped, Rivers is like, oh, I don't know if I want to do Weezer right now, so he paused it. So Matt Sharp's like, well, I love making music, so he went and started The Rentals, and this album is like top to bottom, fantastic, fun. Um, this is 1995, so you if you listen to it now and feel like other people sound like it, know that he was probably first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You want to go ahead and give it a shot and we'll talk about it. Yeah, let's let's listen to some rentals. Yeah, I can think of like I can think of like six bands that are doing that kind of music right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then now to think of that that's twenty one years old. Yeah, easy there. We're old people, um, but yeah, for me, I just you know nobody was really combining this really great kind of Weezer surf rock with such dirty, lovely bass. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Distorted um, and all that. Yeah. That's those are always my favorite like Dinosaur Junior songs too when they have this great distorted bass lines. Not the banjo um, love then, song ones. <laughs> <laughs> but mixed with the the Moog, what are we calling it now? Can we decide? Is it the Moog? I always said Moog cuz there's two O's. Depends what country you're from. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that Moog synth rock that, you know, at the time was still very very fresh and new and kind of like blew our minds. We're like, "Whoa, this is really great." Kind of Yeah. It's it filled it absolutely filled in for Weezer what we were missing for their kind of like Weezer's four-year hiatus. Um and then, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, like like you said, there's so many bands doing this kind of music. You could think of Stars or Mates of State or New Pornographers, and you know the male female kind of like gang harmonizing vocals, or um, but also just like so happy sounding, so upbeat and like bouncy, and but not like cheesy. Like it's it's like still cool at the same time. Yeah, super fun. If you do get into kind of the entire run of the rentals, they did just put out an album a couple of years ago, new to me. <laughs> um, and they're really, uh, great. You know, they're Francophiles too. So they're like influenced by like Truffaut and old kind of new wave cinema. Their music videos are very cool. I wonder because they um, had the Alphaville in the title of one of their albums. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, they have, 
I feel like they're, he's doing his own version of 100 songs in a year. He's never stopped making music. He's only formally put out three albums, but there's tons of like singles and EPs out there. And um, what was I going to say? But yeah, just very fun and always love stories, love songs, heartbreak. And, you know, this song, you know, the one that I love is Got Away and, you know, I want to be with you. And yeah, but just really, really, really fun. Never got to see him live, which is a shame. Uh, maybe they'll tour again. Yeah, maybe they did, and I missed it because I don't pay attention anymore. Uh, well, for my pick of the week, uh, I picked a band that sounds a lot like the Rentals a lot of the time. <laughs> um, that they might be the best band doing that kind of sound in existence right now. I guess if the Rental still exists, sorry, but um, <laughs> I picked new pornographer's song. Um, but this is a, actually, it turns out to be a cover song of maybe one of the new pornographers early references, which is Fleetwood Mac, which were doing some of this stuff, but very much classic rock kind of, mm-hmm. kind of way. And, you know, I was reflecting on like, we weren't really like a Fleetwood Mac family. Like, I don't remember ever hearing anything about them in our house. Um, I, you know, I recognize the go your own way song, but not really much else on their discography. Um, but you know, my boss sent this to me cause he knows I love new pornographers. He's like, yeah, check out this cover and, uh, let's just listen to a little bit of this. So yeah, this song really plays to new pornographer's strength because it's so harmony based and so happy and peppy sounding um, that it's you know you if you'd never heard Fleetwood Mac you might be like oh this is just another new pornographer's song. Um, what did you think of this cover? Yeah, that was my takeaway too. Was if if you didn't know the difference, you would just think it was one of theirs. And as a result of checking this out, I went and listened to. Reminding myself, what what did Fleet Mac, Fleetwood Mac do? <laughs> and like just listening to all of the, their hits, I'm like, yeah, I've heard all these before. And oh my gosh, they were the new pornographers <laughs> of the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, I think our our family just kind of missed the Fleetwood Mac train. Maybe they were a little kind of like Southern a little bit. And later in, you know, I felt like our dad listened to a lot in the 60s and 70s. He kind of like had found his favorites by the 70s. He didn't really quite get into <laughs> bands that came out then as much you know we're not a classic rock family by any means um but yeah i think new pornographers fits really great in this like a glove (laughs) and you can really tell how bouncy and fun it is again they have this great kind of mix of the synth and the bass with some distortion going on and i'm sorry can you hear my cat screaming in the background (laughs) shut up (laughs) we'll leave that in (laughs) <laughs> Juliet left and all he's doing is yelling. Uh, yeah, and I, I went back and listened to the original Fleetwood Mac version and it's it's really not that different other than the recording quality being from a different era. Like it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's fun. The entire cover album is really great too. I didn't realize Jay Maskis has the song in there. It's just an instrumental, but he gets to do his guitar thing on there. Um so yeah, I mean I feel like I 
I've heard Fleetwood Mac most of my life just because they're radio-friendly hits, and I never minded them, and so I think this is a great kind of tribute to that. All right. Well, as always, you can find these links and all the other articles we talked about on our show notes page at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 62. Uh, Matt should be back next episode, but if not, maybe you'll hear Justin again or someone else. Um, oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, while you're looking at our website, you can subscribe to our show um, by clicking the iTunes or RSS button. Or if you have a podcast app, I like one called Overcast. Uh, iPhones come with one built in. Uh, you can search in those apps and you could search for bits and pieces or sunrise robot and find our show pretty easily that way uh subscribing what that means is you get new episodes automatically delivered to your phone so you don't have to think about it you just you know every other week you can pull it up and check out the new episode uh me and great is this the part where you say thrive support oh we said that in the beginning but it's still true. Still true. We thrive on the support of our listeners. So um, we might survive without you, but we thrive with you. Um, <laughs> me and Justin love feedback, and we're both on Twitter. I'm at pseudo Michael, and Justin, what's your Twitter name? I am pseudo Justin, spelled the correct way of pseudo. <laughs> so mine wasn't available. So I'm S U D O Michael, and Justin is P S E U D O Justin. Um, so just deal with that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll add his link in if you're averse to typing. Um, if you want to support our show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot and actually pledge money to us, which is a really cool thing to do from my point of view. Um, depending on the level you support us at, you'll get your name shouted out at the end of every episode. So with that, special thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. We'll see you next time.